Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm all right. Been watching a little Olympics in the past few days. How about you? Not enough, honestly. I think I need to put it on a little bit more and have my my kids watch it, you know? Yeah, it's, 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 you know, every four years we get to learn about sports that you didn't really know enough about, and you get to meet a lot of amazing uh, athletes through the television or whatever venue you get to watch it on. And uh, yeah, super exciting. So um, I'll, I'm trying to find like a music-related way to talk about the Olympics. Haven't found one yet so far. I mean, week. I can tell you that Pink, you know, offered to pay for the like fines that the beach handball team from Norway got because of their uniforms not being skimpy enough basically apparently like the thing is they have there's a a regulation uh uniform they have to wear which is fairly skimpy the women have to wear bikini bottoms and they were wearing shorts and they got fined for that well what's what are the what are the men's uh the men wear shorts there's actually like a little graphic going around on twitter if the ladies have to wear bikinis why can't the dudes wear a bunch of speedos there you go maybe that's maybe that's what pink should be paying for yeah some bikini bottoms for the men let's get the priorities (laughs) straightened out um well as always the billboard pop shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and occasionally the olympics on billboards weekly charts In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Pop Smoke's second posthumous album, Faith, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, while John Mayer's latest, Sob Rock, starts at number two. Plus, how BTS's Butter returns to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, displacing the group's own Permission to Dance from number one. Also on the show, we'll be talking about Kanye West's new album, Donda, and its promise of a new Jay-Z collaboration. Hmm. Also, we have Taylor Swift's decision to pull a number one album out of contention at the upcoming Grammys and CMA Awards, and Camila Cabello's new single and video for Don't Go Yet. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. All right, let's do the chart chat. First up, Pop Smoke's second posthumous album, Faith, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, garnering the late rapper his second leader. The guest-laden collection was released on July 16th and starts with 88,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending July 22nd, according to MRC 
data. The standard 20-track Faith album features more than 20 guest stars, including Chris Brown, Future Dua Lipa, and Kanye West. The deluxe version of Faith with four bonus tracks was released on July 21st. Pop Smoke previously topped the Billboard 200 with Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, which debuted at number one on the list dated July 18th, 2020, and spent two non-consecutive weeks atop the chart. The set, which was billed as the rapper's first studio album, went on to be the number three most popular album of 2020, according to MRC Data, and it also won the 2021 Billboard Music Award for Top Billboard 200 Album. And on the latest Billboard 200, by the way, the album actually jumps 11 to 9 with 28,000 units earned. Yeah, his um, his mom came and accepted the award on his behalf at the That's BBMAs. Right. Um, and it's just, man, uh, the fact that this man is like doing so well commercially after he passed is just really upsetting because you wish he was here for it, basically. I've, I've wondered... Um, and I, I don't mean this in a morbid way. It's just, you know, with, with artists who release material um, posthumously, I wonder how much how much they recorded before they passed. Mm. You, know, if, you know, for someone like Tupac, he had many albums that he released after he died. Um, hugely successful albums that went to number one. And I wonder, for someone like Pop Smoke, how much... Did he have sort of already recorded in a vault somewhere? Was he someone like Prince where he just was always recording and always putting stuff down on tape? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, with his with his estate and with further music from him. Yeah, yeah. and also with a rapper, like a producer can take a verse that might have been intended for another song and, and turn it into something new. There's a lot of possibilities, and I get the feeling... Uh, his second number one album, we are going to get as much material as, as possible from him. So, yeah. um, Well, next, friend of the pod and noted Katie favorite, John Mayer, <laughs> notches his 10th top 10 album on the Billboard 200 as the singer-songwriter's latest studio release, Sob Rock, debuts at number two with 84,000 equivalent album units earned. Uh, the bulk of that actually was an album sales. It sold 61,000 copies and is also the top-selling album of the week. Uh, Katie. Uh, yes. Ha- have you had some some extra time to uh, spend with Sob Rock over the past week or so? Yeah. I. Um, it's definitely been in regular rotation around the house. It's a great listen when you're feeding a baby breakfast. I was going to say, how are, the, how are the kids enjoying the Sob Rock? Uh, I don't... You know, Calvin actually recognized the song New Light, which has been out for oh, yeah. three years um, and is included on the album. Is and that, so I guess I, it's technically the first single from this album. But it's funny. It's like he was calling John Mayer out because I was like, oh, this is a new album by one of Mama's favorites. And then I put it on and he's like, mm, I've heard this song before. Like, Mama, that's an old song. <laughs> that's not new. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, lastly, BTS's Butter rebounds to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart. From number seven last week, adding an eighth week in total atop the chart. Butter replaces BTS's own Permission to Dance, which launched at number one a week ago, succeeding Butter, which had spent the previous seven weeks at number one. And this week, Permission to Dance falls to number seven. Butter garnered 30.7 million radio airplay audience impressions, which was up 2%, and 8.8 million U.S. streams, down 21%, in the week ending July 22nd, according to MRC data. 
Despite its airplay gain, the track drops 20 to 21 on the radio songs chart, and on streaming songs, it falls 26 to 40. As Butter returns to number one on the Hot 100, of course, jumping seven to one, as I already mentioned, it swaps spots with Permission to Dance, which falls one to seven. The flip-flopping on the chart is all about the sales picture here. Permission to Dance debuted at number one last week with 140,000 downloads sold via its original and instrumental digital versions, each on sale for 69 cents apiece following its July 9th release. And in its second week, the song fell by 39% to 85,000 downloads sold in the week ending July 22nd. And those sales come from those two digital versions, which I just mentioned, plus an alternative single cover option, which was released in the group's web store on the last day of the tracking week, and it was also priced for just 69 cents. Meanwhile, Butter returns to number one with a 132% sales gain with 116,000 sold, up from 50,000 in the week previous. Butter tallies an eighth week atop the digital song sales chart, rising two to one, supplanting Permission to Dance, which falls one to two. Meanwhile, Permission to Dance falls eight to 41 on the streaming songs chart and has yet to debut on the radio songs chart. Elsewhere on the Hot 100, Normani's Wild Side featuring Cardi B debuts at number 14. Uh, we talked about that song last week and what a big look it was for Normani. And a number of Pop Smoke's album cuts from his new album arrive on the Hot 100, including Demeanor featuring Dua Lipa at number 86. And three spots below that, Dua Lipa's own single, Love Again, debuts at number 89. It's the fifth song from the standard edition of her future nostalgia album to chart on the Hot 100, following Don't Start Now, Physical, Break My Heart, and, of course, Levitating. You mentioned Wildside. Um, our colleague, Rania Aniftos, she got to see the, the technical first performance of Wildside over the weekend. What, what festival was that at? It was not a festival. Oh, Normani sorry. popped up at a Don Julio tequila party in Malibu. As and, one does. <laughs> and, she, and she performed that and one other song at the party. So uh, Rania got up close and personal for a, a little quick Normani performance. Did Rania even know that, that she was going to be there? We might have gotten a little okay. heads up. I was like, was Rania just going to a Don Julio party in Malibu? I actually, I, well, I mean, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. I, I will just say, like, I got the invite in it, and it touted an, an A-list performer who was about to release new music. And I'm like, I'm going to need to know more. I see. It was one of those and, things where it's like, y'all yeah. should really be there, wink, wink. Exactly. Yeah. And so the, when the rep told me Normani, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, let's be there, especially with the new song. So, yeah. So Rania went. All right. Uh, also last week on Thursday at the intimate club known as Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Sure. <laughs> Kanye West staged a Donda listening event where he previewed his forthcoming album Donda to a crowd that surprisingly included Kim Kardashian and his children. Um, they are currently um, in the middle of a divorce uh, after six plus years of marriage, but obviously they're always going to be co-parents, so... You know, she might have just wanted to bring the kids and be supportive. Yeah. Uh, so at the event where tickets were sold for either $20 or $50, the crowd got to hear new music and collaborations with Roddy Rich, Lil Durk, Pusha T, Pop Smoke, Lil Baby, and most noteworthy, most surprising, Jay-Z. So Wes closed the event with uh, the Jay-Z collaboration, which announced a possible return of The Throne 
the pair of superstar superstar duo that released the Watch the Throne album in 2011. Um, as Billboard.com noted in our recap of the listening event, hearing JT's A Return of the Throne is a relief, quote unquote, especially after things seemed to go sour between the two after Ye went on his infamous rants during the St. Pablo tour. Honey, I, I, ranting, I, stop. Ha, I mean. My heart was warmed at this reunion and... Uh, we actually don't know for a fact, but there were rumors that Jay-Z actually sent Kanye this verse, like, after he'd already done previous more private listening sessions just last week. I saw something on Twitter where allegedly Jay-Z recorded his verse that day. Yeah, and so when I heard that tidbit, I'm like, well, no chance we're going to be hearing... The Donda album anytime soon because they have not mixed and mastered Jay-Z's verse into this new song yet. Like, no way. Because the album um, was supposed to come out the f- on Friday, right? Yeah. That's supposed- what, that was what was, I think that's, was it ever officially announced? I think it sort of yes, was. Yes, no, it yeah. was. Actually, last week, um, I'm not sure if you saw that Beats by Dre commercial that Kanye um, did the music for, but uh, it was starring. I'm, I don't know how to say her name. Shakari. Yeah. So yeah. Shakari Richardson starred in this Beats by Dre ad that Kanye did the music for, and I think he like actually edited the commercial too. And it said in the ad, "Donda on Friday." Like it. That was the first place that we saw that it was confirmed that it was going to be Friday, and until it wasn't Friday. Because as we reported today on Billboard.com, the new release date, according to Kanye's reps, is August 6th. So, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe maybe it's good that you aren't getting in the in the mix with Billie Eilish this Friday because her new album drops on Friday. That is very fair. Um, And so, you know, the Don album, which is Kanye's uh, 10th album, and it's named after his late mother who died in 2007. I. It could arrive any minute, really, because who knows? Kanye says August 6th, but maybe it'll actually be earlier. Who knows? But the promise of of a Kanye and Jay-Z collaboration is just super exciting, at least to me. I I love that. I love that combo. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, when when I was sort of researching this, I was reminded of just how long Kanye and Jay's history is. Yeah. It dates back to, like, basically 2000. 2000, I guess. Um, it predates Kanye's artist career. Yes. I mean, when he when he, Kanye was a producer, when Kanye was producing for um, artists on Jay-Z's Rockefeller Records yeah, correct. Um, roster, including Jay himself. And like Izzo Hova was a Jay-Z was was a Kanye West production. And, yeah. um, you know, it was a it was a huge hit for, for Jay. And then, you know, they, of course, you know. Kanye and Jay Z worked together as artists. You know, were two the, the, they were built together on tracks together, in addition to their production work and being friends and so forth. But you know, just as as a recap, um, the pair have actually had eleven Billboard Hot 100 hits together as artists, including three top tens. And West also produced three top tens for Jay that West did not appear on as an artist himself, including, like I said, Izzo and 03 Bonnie and Clyde with Beyonce. And of course, there's that Watch the Throne album that Katie mentioned, which debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 in 2011. And also, I was going through the all the different Grammys that Kanye has won, and there are many that came from his collaborations with Jay-Z. So... While while it has been a sort of long, um, sort of in terms of time span, working relationship, 
it's been a minute since they've done anything together, but every time they do get together, it's always a big moment. So this could be something really big. Yes, totally. It's always impactful. And um, as we said, the album itself is not out. Nothing's been released to streaming services, including this Jay-Z song. Um, in my mind, they should be working to release that very quickly. <laughs> like, it <laughs> yeah. seems to me like get that one out to people ahead of the album. Who knows if that'll happen? Um, and again, Kanye's got his own timetable. Um, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, even the people who were in the building said that the audio was, you know, a little difficult to consume, um, you know, for the project. And so it's almost as if no one has truly heard this song or this project yet and, and really won't until, you know, the official version hits streaming services. So, um, yeah, so wait and stay tuned to billboard.com and we'll keep you updated on when that will be. And, uh, we will be eagerly waiting it along with you. Uh, and last week on the show, we were talking about veteran acts who could factor into this upcoming Grammy Awards. And this week we got some news about someone who's just completely up and removed themselves from contention. Um, Taylor Swift, she pulled her Fearless Taylor's version, which was her 2021 re-recorded album of her 2008 studio project Fearless, from both Grammy and CMA Awards contention. That's Country Music Association Awards. Um, and earlier this year, Fearless Taylor's version debuted at number one on both the Billboard 200 and Top Country Albums charts. And I know that our awards editor has been writing articles like, you know, is it eligible for um, these awards? And and we determined with the Recording Academy previously, yes, it would have been eligible, even though it won, you know, Album of the Year at the um, Grammys back in 2009, I suppose. Yes. Maybe it it did. Well, it it did win album of the year. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to say the specific year, Um, but it won album of the year. So it it was kind of a weird thing. Like, could Taylor win album of the year twice for the same album? Well, Taylor's decided no, she can't do that. Um, A representative for Taylor's record label, Republic Records, uh, said in a statement to Billboard, after careful consideration, Taylor Swift will not be submitting Fearless Taylor's version in any category at this year's upcoming Grammy and CMA Awards. Fearless has already won four Grammys, including Album of the Year, as well as the CMA Award for Album of the Year in 2009 and 2010, and remains the most awarded country album of all time. Swift will be submitting her ninth studio album, however, Evermore, um, to the Grammys for consideration in all categories. Um, Earlier this year, Swift took home the Album of the Year trophy for Folklore, so it feels like Evermore has a really, you know clear path to um to be nominated again this year and that's kind of in my mind keith tell me if you uh, disagree but to me it's like this decision was made because fearless has had its moment and evermore hasn't and this Mm -hmm. will take away any confusion of like how to honor taylor swift in the year you know 2020 into 2021 yeah it does it does uh, resolve the possible confusion uh, f- uh, with an artist who is very prolific with one of those projects that was released, a very kind of complicated project, meaning the Fearless re-record. Um, so she just sort of said, look, I'm going to solve this problem for you. I do think, though, the question I have about artists choosing to just exclude themselves from Mm -hmm. the running why like 
I think if if an artist can just choose to remove an album or single or video or whatever it is from contention, doesn't that kind of kind of sully neutral- the process? Yeah, it kind of neutralizes the whole idea. Where if this is allegedly the 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 music industry recognizing the best recorded music of the year. Everything should be on the table, much yeah. like, you know, much like in theory, you know, the way the Billboard charts, just like, well, yes, it's a re-record, but it's a whole new album and therefore. Right. So but at the same time, you also want to you want to honor the artist's intention and you don't want to go against their wishes. And and, and also <sighs> these award shows, while, you know, the artist doesn't dictate what happens, you know, would would angering Taylor be worth it to the award show that also would like her to attend and perform etc etc like you don't want to offend her either but it does make me think of um in previous years when we've heard about artists submitting themselves in specific categories or genres and the recording academy making the executive decision sorry i know you think that this should have been in you know r&b but we moved it to pop or i know you thought this should have been pop we moved it to whatever and and they sort of disregard the artist's wishes in that regard when they could just be like, okay, whatever the artist wants. But it's interesting that they wouldn't, I mean, they wouldn't consider overriding what the artist wants in just terms of submitting, period. Um, because, you know, we haven't mentioned this yet, but, you know, Drake and Frank Ocean have previously taken themselves out of consideration. And right. um, those were huge projects. I mean, Frank Ocean, I think, especially was somebody who 100% would have been honored if he had been submitted. And it's weird that there might be an asterisk next to that year where he should have, could have been nominated or won just because he decided not to be. So, who was the um, who was the artist that was just this year? Uh, oh, yeah, duh. Didn't hasn't hasn't the weekend basically said that he's just like I'm not going to participate anymore. He's done for the future. Yeah, like he so yeah, he so, obviously submitted to this last one. But and yes, Save now. Your Tears is one of the biggest records of the year. So Ariana Grande, who did a remix with him for Save Your Tears, like she, she and him both both. I mean, it it just seems I don't know. And just, and who knows what the next you know decade holds? The weekend is guaranteed to put out something you know, as big as, you know, Blinding Lights or something bigger. Obviously, the Grammys didn't think Blinding Lights was, uh, you know, worth nominating, but uh, something, you know, to that level that that should be. I mean, maybe we should ask Paul this question because I don't, has the Recording Academy directly been asked, will you, just because an artist says that they're taking themselves out, does that mean you really take them out of the conversation? You know? I don't know. Yeah. It's It's a great question. It is a great question. We don't have the answer right now. <laughs> that we so just I asked. Guess, I guess we can move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, so finally, friend of the podcast, Camila Cabello, dropped her new single, Don't Go Yet, last week, alongside a colorful and wacky music video that blends together over-the-top 80s-inspired fashions and Miami Vice and telenovelas and just all these sort of vibes together. Um, a lot of colors, a lot of over-the-top acting, a lot, a lot of great of hair. hair. Just hair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, the Latin flavored track is Cabello's first new music since the release of her December, 2019 album romance. And, uh, don't go yet is the lead single from Cabello's upcoming third solo album, Familia. 
On Twitter, she wrote that Familia was inspired by two things. Quote, unquote, family and food. Your family by, by blood, but also your chosen family. Who you want to sit with at the dinner table, get wine drunk, and dance in the living room with. I like right. that idea. <laughs> um, I have to say, like, this song really surprised me. Um, video is, is super fun and great, but... I was sort of listening to the song and was like, oh, yeah, this is pleasant. And then it gets to that little bit where she's like, it's kind of a little breakdown right after the first chorus. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is sassy. Like, it's a it's a really fun song. It's a really I, I think it's really interesting. I think it's like a surprising track where it's like sonically really interesting. Yeah, I also think like Camila, she had such a big breakthrough on the solo side with Havana, which was a number one. And, you know, I think it worked because it fit her so well. This kind of like hip hop with the Cuban flavor as yeah. a Cuban American artist. And to me, this um, this new song, it's very much like embracing like, oh, by the way, did you forget for a second that like I'm Cuban American? Because like here it all is like this is what I grew up with. Here's all the sounds. It's straight up Miami Sound Machine. I mean, it's it's the Estefans like it's 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 super fun, but also modern. And I think she killed it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Jesse is a friend. Yeah, I know he's been a good friend of mine. But lately something's changed. 40 years ago this week, well before Camila was ever born, <laughs> Rick Springfield's Jesse's Girl hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming the singer, songwriter, and actor's first and so far only number one. The track rose 3 to 1 on the chart dated August 1st, 1981, and spent two consecutive weeks atop the list. Do you know what else happened the week of August 1st, 1981? The literal day, August 1st, yeah. MTV started? The, the day MTV <laughs> debuted. 40-year um, anniversary this weekend? Well, at the time, Springfield was a red-hot star on the ABC TV daytime soap opera uh, General Hospital as Dr. Noah Drake. While Springfield had been on the Hot 100 four times before Jesse's Girl, going all the way back to 1972's Speak to the Sky, it was his role on General Hospital and Jesse's Girl that turned Springfield into a superstar. To put General Hospital's impact in perspective, at the time, the show was watched by 11 million viewers each weekday in 1981, according to Nielsen, and it was the highest rated soap opera that year. How were there 11 million people not working <laughs> during the soap opera? <laughs> because this was pre-TiVo, you guys. Well, th- think of it. Back then, in 1981, there were like basically three networks, no YouTube, no internet, no video games. Um, and if you were maybe um, a high school student or a college kid that came home during the middle of the day, maybe you were and a And it housewife. was more traditional. Yes, it was more traditional to have people be a homemaker, a woman be a homemaker. Yes. You you had limited options for what to watch for entertainment during the day. And it was destination television. All the soap operas were. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Jesse's Girl was Springfield's debut hit for RCA Records. And the single arrived on the Hot 100 in March of 1981, the same month that Springfield debuted on General Hospital. What a coincidence. While he left the show in 1983, Springfield continued to act and sing, notching a total of 21 Hot 100 hits. Springfield even returned to General Hospital twice after his initial run, and he returned in 2005 through 2008, and then again in 2012 and 2013. And at one point, Springfield... Uh, as Dr. Noah Drake, or Dr. Noah Drake as Springfield, or Springfield when he was playing Dr. Noah Drake. (laughs) 
arranged to have the famous singer named Rick Springfield sing at a benefit concert uh, in the show because you know his, soap operas. Was he his evil twin? <laughs> no, but apparently he did. When I was researching this, he did play some other character, which might have oh been God. an evil villain type person. I love you guys. I love soap operas. That's incredible. I just love the fact that Doctor Noah Drake somehow arranged to have Rick Springfield show up. And it, it was apparently the first time that Rick Springfield ever sang on General Hospital, too. And the wow. first thing he sang was Jesse's Girl that is so decades fun. later. <laughs> so anyway, so here you have it. 40 years ago this week, Rick Springfield took Jesse's Girl to number one on the Hot 100. You know I wish that I had Jesse's Girl. I wish that I had Jesse's Girl. Amazing. We've reached the end of our show. Um, Katie, any parting words? Oh, man. <laughs> I guess not. Okay. Um, well, that what song should we show, go on? So I, I like him out of words. Um, uh, what song? You know what? I'm not super familiar with non-Jesse's Girl Rick Springfield. Do you have a recommendation for a song we could go out on? We could do another big hit of his called Don't Talk to Strangers. Perfect. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.